Hello, and welcome to the Gumbo Ed Nurse Practitioner CE Podcast. I am your host, Samantha Genius Arsenal, and this is episode 32. Remember, after listening to this podcast, you can go to the websites for the American Association for Nurse Practitioners or the Journal for Nurse Practitioners, find the article, take the test, and earn your CEUs. Today's article is Cannabis Use, Change in Screening for Primary Care Preoperative Clearance by Tammy Sadiai and Virginia Longdahl Ramsey. Members of the AANP will receive one contact hour for this article, which includes point five for pharmacology. Now, let's get started. A 58-year-old diabetic patient is scheduled for an outpatient rotator cuff elective surgery repair. The patient arrived at the primary care office for surgical clearance screening. Laboratory values were obtained, including hemoglobin A1c and an electrocardiogram revealing normal sinus rhythm. The patient denied smoking, but did not reveal daily use of marijuana, smoking up to three to four times a day. The surgery was uneventful. The patient was extubated and transferred to the post-anesthesia care unit. During the post-anesthesia care unit admission, the patient developed strider, dysphagia, and apoxia. Intubation was not possible because of acute uvular swelling and an emergency airway was performed. The patient was transferred to the intensive care unit for treatment of acute uvulitis and additional monitoring. If close monitoring had not been performed, patient fatality could have occurred. This case demonstrates the necessity for preoperative guide changes to ensure providers are screening and educating patients on marijuana consumption before surgery to prevent complications, even death. The patient later admitted to the inhalation of marijuana three hours before elective surgery. History of Cannabis The cannabis plant, commonly known as marijuana, is a mind-altering psychoactive drug and is one of the oldest plants with an extensive history of not only recreational but also medicinal use. The medical use of cannabis has garnered much attention in recent years due to increasing legalization across the nation. Consumption is on the rise with 33 states and Washington, D.C. legalizing cannabis for medical use. As reported in 2017, cannabis use increased by 43% in people greater than or equal to the age of 26 years old. And according to the World Health Organization, marijuana consumption had a prevalence rate of 147 million individuals. The cannabis plant can be traced back millions of years and was indigenous to the Asian continent. Western medicine was introduced to cannabis in the early 1800s by a physician named W.B. O'Shaughnessy. He began to create hemp preparations for animals and then later treated patients with inflammation, pain, muscle spasms, anxiety, insomnia, and seizures with a cannabis product. The late 19th century saw a decrease in the use of cannabis because of the medical advances of the hypodermic needle and opiates. Then, during the 20th century, cannabis became primarily a recreational drug. However, by 1970, 
all cannabis products were labeled as a scheduled one drug designating its high potential for abuse. Controversy and debate still continue regarding cannabis use as a therapeutic agent. There are positive effects from cannabis consumption on managing pain, reducing nausea and vomiting, preserving vision, and providing weight gain in patients with human immunodeficiency virus. These documented medical advances have changed the perspective regarding cannabis as well as the collateral effect of the opiate epidemic and public perception. Opponents for the legalization of medicinal cannabis assert cannabis intake poses a multitude of health risks, including intoxication and impairing effects, demonstrating that evidence is lacking to confirm the benefits and harm of the drug. The medical community has joined the debate vocalizing concerns of limited research in relation to recent cannabis consumption before surgery and outcomes. Even with the lack of research, cannabis continues to be regularly taken to alleviate a variety of ailments such as disorders of chronic pain, the alleviation of nausea and vomiting from chemotherapy, glycoma, and inflammatory bowel disease. Because of the upsurge of unregulated medicinal use of cannabis, advanced practice registered nurses performing preoperative clearances, certified registered nurse anesthetists, and surgeons now state that cannabis is problematic and evidence-based practice is crucial. The absence of significant evidence-based literature regarding proper cannabis perioperative screening and education has left providers questioning their efforts while striving for excellence in patient outcomes. Biologic Chemistry, Pharmacokinetics, and Pharmacologic Activity Cannabinoids are lipophilic and plant-derived and mimic endogenous compounds referred to as endocannabinoids. These endogenous compounds include a wide range of physiological actions via activation or inhibition at the cannabinoid receptor type 1 and 2 or CB1 and CB2 sites. Alternatively, cannabinol lacks the psychoactive properties but will exhibit a wide range of pharmacologic activity. There are more than 100 biologically active non-tetrahydrocannabinol or THC cannabinoids and the cannabis plant contains about 400 compounds from its secondary metabolism contributing to its medicinal effects. These endogenous cannabinoids or delta-9 THC and cannabinol are plant-based compounds referred to as phytocannabinoids or endocannabinoids signifying many biological effects. Cannabinoid receptors CB1 are coupled to G proteins with a mapped location primarily found in the basal ganglia, cerebellum, hippocampus, and cerebral cortex and prevalent in all body tissues. The cannabinoid receptor CB2 was originally detected in macrophages. However, the highest abundance is located in the B lymphocytes and natural killer cells, which explains their role in immunity. In addition to the plant-derived endocannabinoids, there are synthetic laboratory-derived compounds. Some forms of these compounds may be a prescribed pharmacologic medication that the Food and Drug Administration approved or abused agents like K2 or SPICE. 
The complex pharmacokinetics of cannabinoids is difficult to predict because of the variability of delta-9 THC concentrations and the route of administration, metabolism, and elimination. Cannabinoids are rapidly distributed through vessel-rich groups to CB1 and CB2 and delivered by several routes of administration such as inhaled, oral, sublingual, dermal, or anal. The effects of cannabis are dependent on the mode of administration, absorption, frequency of use, chronic or new user, product lipophilicity, and bioavailability, as well as the inherent organ tissue difference, for example, alveolar tissue, gastric tissue, dermal, and rectal tissue. Let's try some questions. Question number one. Which proposed guideline change should occur within APR in practice and patient cannabis use? A. Screening of cannabis use and discussion of surgical complications that occur. B. Increase physician supervision and sign-off for preoperative clearances. C. Urine drug screen at preoperative exam. Or D. Urine drug screen at both preoperative and clearance exam and at the surgery center. The correct answer is A. The screening of cannabis use and discussion of surgical complications that occur. Question number two. What major post-operative complication is associated with recent cannabis use within 30 hours of surgery? A. Withdrawal symptoms. B. Psychosis disorder. C. Uvular edema. Or D. Malignant hyperthermia. The correct answer is C. Uvular edema. Question number three. Which route of administration of cannabis has been identified as optimal for medicinal purposes? A. Airway inhalation, such as vapor or smoke. B. Dermal application of cannabis oils. C. Oral edibles. Or D. Rectal suppositories. The correct answer is D, rectal suppositories. Now back to the article. Current methods of ingestion. According to the Journal for Forensic Sciences, Delta-9 THC potency trends are on the rise. Confiscated marijuana samples with concentrations of greater than 9% increased from 3.2% in 1993 to a maximum of 21.47% in 2007. Cannabis dosage and the route of administration, along with last consumption, are imperative to evaluate for possible effects or even cancellation of elective surgery. The number of identifiable extractable compounds has increased dramatically from 60 to over 500 in the last 20 years, of which over 100 are cannabinoids. Inhaled, which is smoked or vaped. Inhalation is the most common way to consume cannabis. 
Intoxication occurs within two minutes after the first inhalation and lasts two to four hours. And most strains today are stronger, ranging from 15% to 25% of Delta 9 THC. Studies show that inhaled doses of two to three milligrams of this THC can cause impaired executive functioning. Edible. Edibles are becoming a popular route of consumption. Dispensaries sell a plethora of food items, including beverages, candies, cookies, honey sticks, cakes, and cooking oils. When edible products are ingested, Delta 9 THC is absorbed inconsistently and quickly metabolizes by the first pass effect. This physiological response will lead to a strong association between edible use and overconsumption. Users will feel the impact of Delta 9 THC in two to four hours, and it will last six to eight hours. Cannabis oils and topical cannabis. Cannabis oils are crude concentrations and can be taken orally as a liquid or placed in food items. Most topical cannabis products are available in lotions, creams, and oils that do not absorb well systemically and are used mostly for skin inflammation. Rectal suppositories. Cannabis extracts are dissolved and incorporated into an oil or butter and inserted into the rectum with rapid systemic effects. This particular route of administration helps to reduce psychoactive symptoms, which is ideal for people who use marijuana for medicinal and not recreational purposes. Discrepancies in potency, uptake, and drug effects exist between the varied routes of cannabis administration. For example, inhalation of marijuana cigarettes may be apparent within seconds to minutes, whereas oral ingestion may be delayed two hours. In a small trial of 11 healthy subjects, Delta 9 THC was administered intravenously via inhalation and by mouth. Of the three methods of administration, plasma levels were parallel when compared between smoking or given intravenously. This further demonstrates that similar effects of cannabis may be produced during inhalation and intravenous administration. The metabolism and breakdown of Delta 9 THC primarily occur by the liver, in which metabolites are eliminated via urine, bile, and stool. Cannabinoids accumulate in the fatty tissue. Therefore, Delta 9 THC can be detected in urine for more than 30 days. However, 90% of Delta 9 THC is eliminated within five days. Physiological effects of cannabis intraoperatively and postoperatively. Pain and inflammation. Cannabidiol is an integral component of cannabis with virtually no psychoactivity compared with Delta 9 THC, but acts as an agonist at CB2. This reaction at CB2 is accountable for the majority of anti-inflammatory effects, which influences pain responses. A reduction in pain response is clear. However, it is unclear how the effect is triggered because pain experiences are altered by a state of perception. Furthermore, in this population of individuals, recent trials have shown higher pain scores that require greater amounts of analgesics in the intraoperative phase. 
Cognitive Effects. The effects for higher doses of Delta 9 THC act on the central nervous system, which includes euphoria, leading to the widespread recreational use for relaxation. Central nervous system depressant effects from cannabis that produces drowsiness and sleep are similar to those effects of alcohol and benzodiazepine usage. More importantly, the Delta 9 THC concentration will influence the post-operative effects, which may vary from a high to more unwanted experiences such as stress, panic, paranoia, and anxiety. Respiratory Effects Cannabis smoke contains the same components apart from nicotine as tobacco smoke, activating bronchial irritants, tumor promoters, and carcinogens. Furthermore, chronic cannabis smokers have cause for concern because marijuana inhalation is associated with bronchitis, emphysema, and squamous cell metaplasia of the tracheobronchial epithelium. Moreover, results found a strong association to concomitant cannabis and tobacco smoking with an increased incidence of spontaneous pneumothorax linked to dose-dependent use in heavy smokers. Attention to surgical patients with recent cannabis use before surgery must be considered because they can experience acute uvular edema, airway obstruction, asphyxia, and even brain damage. Cardiovascular effects. Cardiovascular complications resulting from cannabis use are prevalent and common in the perioperative period. Marijuana use may trigger acute or chronic cardiovascular events and can create a series of electrocardiographic changes. Cannabis use may also trigger premature ventricular contractions, atrial fibrillation, atrioventricular block, or worst case scenario, coronary artery plaque rupture, and myocardial infarction. Acute ingested doses of Delta 9 THC will increase the heart rate as much as 50 to 60% and are also associated with a modest increase in blood pressure. This response is a result of beta sympathetic activity and a reduction of parasympathetic activity, which are mediated by CB2 found in the peripheral tissues. Tolerance to cannabinoids will develop with chronic use over a few weeks in which pastoral hypertension becomes a more prevalent side effect. Coagulation effects. Anandamide N, arachidonyl ethylalamine, is part of the endocannabinoid system. It is a short-lived molecule that is present on platelets and influences platelet function and its responsiveness. Individuals who consume Delta 9 THC and its components, anandamide N, arachidonyl ethylalamine, are at risk for stroke, thromboembolism, and cardiovascular events such as myocardial infarction. Elements of the cannabis product release adenosine diphosphate from erythrocytes, leading to platelet aggregation and a reduction in platelet counts. This is especially concerning for the surgical candidate. Time for more questions. Question number four. Identify a prevalent challenge that APRNs encounter while conducting a pre-assessment evaluation for cannabis intake. A. Patients will deny use. B. Patients understand cannabis is a scheduled one drug. C. Time does not allow for cannabis screening preoperatively. 
Or D, hospitals do not require cannabis screening. The correct answer is A, patients will deny use. Question number five, which pharmacokinetic property does cannabinol lack compared with cannabinoids? A, psychoactive properties. B, skin anti-inflammatory properties. C, pain relief properties. Or D, gastrointestinal cancer-related properties. The correct answer is A, psychoactive properties. Question number six. Which common perioperative complication is associated with recent cannabis consumption? A, increased pain perception. B, decreased airway hyperactivity. C, increased cardiovascular events. Or D, decreased uvular edema. The correct answer is C, increased cardiovascular events. Question number seven. Which pharmacokinetic rationale most influences variable delta THC concentrations within the body? A, increased first pass effect. B, mode of administration. C, decreased renal function. Or D, hydrophilic properties. The correct answer is B, mode of administration. Question number eight. Which cardiovascular receptor group is activated during an acute ingested dose of delta-9 THC? A, increased parasympathetic activity. B, increased beta sympathetic activity. C, increased alpha sympathetic activity. Or D, increased cholinergic activity. The correct answer is B, increased beta sympathetic activity. Now back to the article. Preoperative screening by APRNs in a primary care setting. APRNs play a pivotal role as members of the preoperative team in the primary care setting, granting the surgical clearance. Current Joint Commission guidelines advise surgical candidates to have a preoperative screening within 30 days in advance of elective surgery. This guideline emphasizes that particular testing and screening tools are based on need, especially to identify patients at risk for perioperative, intraoperative, or postoperative complications. To further reduce surgical morbidity and minimize costly surgical delays, Pre-surgical testing is considered vital to patient safety and a component to favorable surgical outcomes. The American Society of Anesthesiologists defines routine preoperative tests as assessments completed in the absence of any specific clinical indication, which typically includes a comprehensive metabolic panel, a complete blood count, urinalysis, and a chest x-ray, and an electrocardiogram. Patients undergoing surgery are not homogeneous and have considerable variations in demographic characteristics, along with underlying health and comorbidities. 
costly intraoperative and post-surgical complications from cannabis use can occur, which is substantial to the patient and the hospital. Thus, primary care pre-surgical screening aims to bring awareness to providers of any medical concerns, along with possible delays for their elective surgery based on the patient's history or findings. What are we missing? An essential question of frequency, route of administration, and education regarding cannabis consumption during the patient's primary care surgical screening and clearance to prevent operative complications. The earlier the patient refrains from all types of marijuana products before surgery, their overall risk of complications decreases. Connecting with the surgical team and anesthesia provider before surgery regarding frequency, dose, and ingestion will increase safety and patient outcomes. A short-term time frame from marijuana abstinence is 12 to 72 hours and up to eight weeks before surgery is optimal. Recommendations on cannabis abstinence before surgery varies by authors. However, all forms of cannabis consumption, 12 to 72 hours at a minimum, before elective surgery is the common recommendation in the literature to prevent serious adverse airway events and increased anesthesia requirements. Next, pre-assessment evaluation by nurse anesthetists. Marijuana use is typically self-reported by 14% of surgical patients, which is similar to other social habits such as alcohol. Cigarette and drug intake is classically underreported. By identifying this trend, a change in assessment practice will help to capture a portion of patients who may be consuming cannabis products on a regular basis. There is heightened concern regarding the synergistic effect of cannabis that include potentiation of non-depolarizing muscle relaxants, potentiation of norepinephrine, and the augmentation of any drug that may cause respiratory or cardiac depression. The assessment of cannabis use pertaining to the surgical patient is briefly considered or questioned during pre-surgery clearance by the APRN or the CRNA. A routine formal cannabis-centered assessment should be incorporated into pre-assessment practices, initiating a conversation between the patient and the APRN or the CRNA. Assessing for chronic or new cannabis use, frequency, route of administration, and last documented intake are all vital to the anesthesia plan of care and patient outcome. This especially holds true if such data are not retrieved or reported by the primary care APRN during the preoperative screening and clearance assessment. A typical pre-anesthesia cannabis assessment would include the route of administration, chronic or naive user, timing, and last intake. As practitioners, we understand that this information is sensitive and considered confidential, which is vital to developing a trusting patient relationship. However, Patients continue to be reluctant and untruthful pertaining to their usage habits. These authors recommend that, in addition to investigating usage during each assessment, the practitioner should explain that this information is confidential and is a priority to delivering a safe anesthetic. Recommendations from Harvard Health Publishing state the following. Please do not be afraid to disclose your use of marijuana, as it will not affect what we think of you. On to the last set of questions. Question number nine. 
Which inhalation intoxication time frame is correct during smoking or vaping cannabis? A. 2 minutes B. 5 minutes C. 10 to 8 minutes or D. 15 minutes The correct answer is A. 2 minutes. Question number 10. Which time period will delta-9 THC concentrations approximately be detected in urine? A, 7 days, B, 14 days, C, 24 days, or D, 30 days? The correct answer is D, 30 days. Now for the conclusion. A frank conversation with patients regarding potential surgical risks linked to recent cannabis ingestion of all forms must be considered. Further discussions should include how the effects of cannabis can alter anesthesia administration and increase the chance of post-operative complications. These deliberations must be initiated during the primary care initial screening for the surgical clearance appointment, along with abstaining from all forms of cannabis at a minimum of 12 to 72 hours. Communication between the APRN primary care provider and the surgical team is paramount to the patient's well-being, safety, and continuity of care. Okay, that's it. Remember, if you want to find out where you can get your COVID vaccine, you can go to gumboeducation.com. Guess what? I wrote another book. It's titled The Little Preacher, and it is on Etsy and it's on Amazon. Thank you for your support. Don't forget to buy your copy. Until next time, 